welcome to the FarmBeats podcast. FarmBeats is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The FarmBeats podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBeats followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBeats podcast. I'm Jose Cesario Pinto. And I'm Kelsey Swantek, and we're glad to have you with us today as we dive into the topic of enhancing accuracy and yield estimations. On this episode, we welcome Dr. Jan Dutton, CEO of Prescient Weather, the creators of Crop Profit, based out of State College, Pennsylvania. Jan talks to us about innovative grain yield and production forecasting for quantifying weather impacts to predict crop yield. Crop Profit has been helping commodity traders by delivering powerful capabilities to benefit trading and agribusiness by minimizing crop price risk and maximizing trading opportunities. With that in mind, let's dive right into learning about Crop Profit with Jan. My background is I have a doctorate in meteorology, and I also did an MBA uh, at the same time. And so I have been in the private sector, the weather industry private sector, uh, since I graduated from graduate school. So I've been in the sector for 21 years. And uh, basically, I've always been part of a private weather information company of one kind or another, uh, generally with an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, And so the, the founders of Prescient Weather. So Prescient Weather is the company that creates crop profit. Uh, The founders of Prescient Weather and I, we were all at a weather risk startup uh, in the the late 2000s, prior to the last economic downturn. Uh, And so the four of us were at, uh, we were at this startup and when the economic downturn happened, um, the venture capitalists pulled the funding from the company. And I actually went off to DTN and worked there for uh, eight years. And the three other folks, Interestingly enough, one is my father, uh, went off and created Prescient Weather. Uh, And so Prescient Weather was in existence uh, from 2009. And then in 2017, I ended up leaving DTN and the time was right to join with Prescient Weather to help them grow. Uh, And so so the point is that the the three, my three colleagues uh, have been part of Prescient Weather since 2009. And I ended up joining in 2000. Well, it was 2018 when I joined. Uh, and so I do and head up all the sales and marketing for, for the product as well, uh, for crop profit and for, for prescient weather. So you mentioned both crop profit and prescient weather. Can you talk a little bit more about what relationship those two companies have with one another? Sure. So prescient weather is really just the legal entity uh, by which the company operates. And then we create two primary products. One is crop profit which is what we'll be talking about today, the corn and soybean yield forecasting system. And then the other is the World Climate Service, which is, uh, it's an online tool set to enable commodity meteorologists, meaning agriculture commodities and energy commodities uh, to improve their their long range forecasting. So we we operate a company as Prescient Weather and we then operate what I call uh, destination brand products, which is crop profit as a brand and the World Climate Service as a brand. Can you talk to us a little about all, just a brief overview of Crop Profit and what its actual product offerings are. Sure. Uh, so first and foremost, Crop Profit is a uh, it's a website or a, a portal that you can log into and you get access to corn, soybean, and winter wheat yield and production forecasts that are updated on a daily basis during the season. 
Uh, and then it also provides really a wealth of, of weather information uh, around what has happened uh, over the past, say, 7, 14, 30, 60, 90, 180, 270 days. Uh, and then also forecast information um, around uh, and, and all focused on the crop growing regions of the United States. And then we also have uh, Brazil and Argentina as well. And so part of what we try to do, um, I'll say given our, our background and just our nature, uh, we try to quantify information. Uh, and so the idea would be, we know that in the, in the um, agriculture trading market, lots of people look at say a, a colored map of temperatures over the United States, but it's up to that user then to figure out what that actually means for, for the corn crop. Uh, and, um, and so the interesting thing is, you know, one type of weather in June has a different impact on the crop than the same weather that might occur in late July, let's say. And so the user has to not only sort of in their mind integrate spatially all of the data, all of the temperature, the precip data, the heat index data. Uh, they also have to remember like what the, how much corn is grown in every county that, that matters. And so we try to do things like provide uh, crop production weighted weather indices. So we can tell you, for example, that um, you know, it rained 107% of normal across the Corn Belt over the last two weeks uh, because we, we're calculating the, these crop production weighting indices. So we're trying to quantify the information, and make it simpler to interpret the, the weather information. And then in addition to that, uh, the website includes, um, we actually do a, a weekly commentary during the core of the season. Because to some, the, the yield model the yield modeling is a bit of a black box. And so we're trying to provide some, some context to uh, how that black, black box is performing or why it's doing what it's doing. Uh, and basically we're trying to provide some visibility in, into the box so that people understand a little bit of what's going on. And then finally, we think that the performance of the product is important. So we provide information around the historical performance of, of our corn yield forecasts. And that then gets to another element of the product so what I just described is a website that people log into. We also provide data feeds. And so if I go to the other end of the spectrum, um, part of our modeling involves being able to forecast prior years. So in 40 years of data, you can pick say the 10th year of data. Uh, you can train your model on the first through the ninth and then the 11th through the 40th year of data and forecast that 10th year. And you can do that for every year in, in the data set. And so we have, which is to say we have statistical tools that allow us to forecast prior years, as well as we have a history of, of the forecast that we've created since 2014. Um, and so part of the offering then is a, is a data feed that say a, um, a quantitative agriculture commodity trader could use to try to build algorithms uh, to understand better how to trade uh, the crop. Uh, a user might be able to use it to understand how the model performs in certain situations like a drought or heavy precipitation situations or something like that. So the product includes a website and then it also includes uh, data feeds that have different, different variations in an effort to try to sort of maximally meet the, the needs of the agriculture trading com community. So a big part of this is actually weather information. Um, and you guys are not just logging on to weather.com and pulling the 10 day forecast from uh, from the Weather Channel, right? Correct. Yeah. In fact, the uh, so I mentioned 
there's three founders of the company, myself, and then two other people. So four of us, including myself, have PhDs in meteorology. So we're doing all of the, call it the brute force computation ourselves. Um, so we're sourcing the original model data. We're adding value to it. Uh, we're also, uh, we're sourcing the original, uh, the weather observational data and, uh, and post-processing it. And so really what, what we're using, what we're doing is we're, we're creating intellectual property, if you will. We're creating intellectual property around weather and climate information along with the crop information to come up with a, uh, a sophisticated end of season crop yield forecast. That's really interesting. And we, we realized that on the website from you guys, you guys talk about machine learning in, mm -hmm. in a few different times. And can, could you explain a little bit exactly what does that mean for your product? Yeah, so let me say that the, for crop profit, primarily what we're trying to do is we're trying to extract as much predictability for, uh, for different crops, in this case, corn, soybeans, and winter wheat, uh, using weather information. So the idea is that year-to-year -year variations in yield, uh, and, and I'll say, and I'm going to focus on yield, but year-to-year -year variations in yield are due primarily to two things. One is the technology trend, and then the other is the weather conditions. And so the technology trend is uh, kind of exactly what, what it sounds like. It is all of the technology that goes into producing more crop from one year to, to the next. So it's the seed technology, machine technology, fertilizer technology, chemical technology, just farming practice knowledge, you know, the list goes on and on that, that enables uh, the agriculture community from one year to the next to grow more crop. And so if you look at the yield charts, the, the yield of corn, for example, over the last 50 years slopes up and to the right. And so the slope of that line is the technology trend. So if you remove the technology trend, what you have left then is, uh, is variations that go up and down year to year. Those variations for the most part are caused by, by weather conditions. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to predict that yield by isolating the impact of weather on the crop and then using available weather information to model uh, and predict what the end of season uh, crop yield is going to be. So the way machine learning plays into it is as an example, uh, we have, let's just say 40 years of county level USDA provided uh, crop yield and crop production data. And we have the planting data and uh, the acreage data and things like that. And so we use machine learning basically to build the model that we can relate 40 years of daily county level weather data to 40 years of uh, USDA crop yield data. And so by doing that, it becomes a machine learning process because in our, in our training process, we test many, many models uh, to try to find the, the optimal solution. And we can test different years um, to, to try to find or to try to arrive at what we believe is, is the best model. And so it's a machine learning process in, in the sense that uh, we iterate over many different models, many different counties uh, to end up with, uh, with a national yield forecast. Yes, so you mentioned about uh, all this data that the website generates and everything, uh, which is really cool. But what types of insights that would have like to help these customers to on decision making, for example? Sure. So the primary insight that we produce is the end of season yield or the end of season for production. And I will say um, it is really important that our users understand that we are forecasting the end of season yield. Uh, and so the USDA update, well, when the government's not closed, the 
USDA updates their yield forecast in January, and then they update it again. Uh, the county data is released in February. So we're trying to forecast what the USDA says corn, soybeans yield were uh, during the season when they release it in January. Um, now, that being said, I mean, there is a lot of information available. Uh, and we know that our customers are trying to trade uh, at a higher frequency, you know, sometime intraday, sometimes daily information. And we do know customers are using, say, the trends in our corn yield forecast to, um, to try to get a, a jump on the market, if you will, and, and understand uh, the direction the market is likely to go. In addition to that, we also uh, are providing, as I mentioned, weather forecast information. So that there's a really interesting phenomenon that occurs that the, uh, the price of corn and soybeans in the core of the summer uh, change based on the weather forecast. And so in, uh, in weather forecasting, there's a zero Z run, which is to say at, uh, at midnight uh, UTC time, the modeling centers around the world run their models. Uh, and a few hours later, a forecast is available. And then when traders show up in the morning, they're looking at that model information and sometimes it'll move the market. Uh, and then in particular, the, the National Weather Service runs a 12Z model, which is, so again, that's 12Z uh, UTC time, but it generally becomes available right around 11 a.m. Central time. And so, sorry, 12 noon Central time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And because it's available during trading hours, that model can, can move the market as well. Uh, so for example, one of the insights that we produce uh, because we've quantified the impact that weather has on crops, we can translate the weather forecast into a crop yield number. So we can say, you know, based on this weather forecast that was just released, we think, uh, not we think, the model suggests that um, corn yield will go down by one bushel per acre over the next 15 days based on this forecast. And the reason we do that is what I said before, that this model is released, people are interpreting maps. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. Uh, and we're trying to quantify what the impact of that model is to provide more, uh, more granular data around the impact of, of the weather forecast. So for example, one of the things that we do is uh, we started this year, a, uh, it's a 12Z email. So as we get the 12Z data as fast as we can, and then we run it through our yield model and we send out an email that says the 12Z model uh, suggest this much corn yield change or soybean yield change based on, on the current forecast. And again, that's the be we don't think it makes the, the end of season yield forecast more accurate. What we think is that it quantifies the impact of the weather information for, for the trading community uh, and, and provides more certainty around what the potential impacts are to, to the intraday prices is the idea. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, these emails generated with all the information and sent for your customers. Could you describe what's the profile of your cost customers? If are large companies, traders, or even individual growers? Sure. Um, our ideal customer is a sophisticated hedge fund that is doing quantitative trading uh, because we can provide data and information really that no one else can because of the, the history of forecasts that we're able to provide. Uh, so we're able to provide as much as uh, 35 years of uh, corn yield forecast information. Um, so that, that's the ideal customer. Uh, we have a range of customers though from hedge funds. Uh, some of the very large grain trading companies are our customers. 
some of the smaller uh, proprietary and or algorithmic trading shops are our customers. And then, um, and then we, we have quite a bit of interest from the agricultural risk management providers as well. So those are the folks that uh, make a business out of advising the producers when basically to sell their crop. Um, I will say that we get a lot of interest from producers, but in the end producers uh, are, they end up not being customers. And in part, um, because we sell a premium product at a premium price, and it turns out that producers uh, basically are not willing to, to pay the, the type of prices that we charge for, for the service. Um, and part of that, I'll say it works well. As I mentioned, we're, we're a relatively small company and uh, it would be difficult for us to support the scale that would be required to make a business out of uh, supporting the, the producers as a, as a focus. Yeah, so it's really, you know, broadly speaking, anyone that trades corn or soybean or wheat could be a customer. Uh, and in the end, it tends to be the, the larger customers that have uh, fairly sophisticated proprietary trading operations. So you have a few different subscription options available on your website. Can you talk to us a little about all, I think there was three of them, right? Yeah, there's uh, the three different ones um, and what the benefit is to each as well as what those benefits actually do for the customers. Sure. So we actually have uh, we have Crop Profit Premier, which is sort of it would be the entry level product. And what that provides is access to the yield forecasts and then access to basic uh, basic weather information. Um, and by basic, I mean, uh, we have information on what has happened in prior months. And then we have a sort of a month to date update on things like temperature and precipitation, growing degree days, uh, solar radiation and things like that. Uh, the idea there is it creates, a, it creates an opportunity for someone to learn more about the product, to learn more about crop profit, uh, to, to sort of become part of the, the, the crop profit network, if you will, and decide if, if they are interested in um, the next level of product. That next level of product is called crop profit enterprise. Uh, so crop profit enterprise includes access to the yield forecast that I mentioned. And but it also includes then the, the weather model impacted yield forecast information. Uh, it also includes um, much more granular data on uh, what has happened with weather conditions in terms of um, what has happened over the past, say, 7, 14, 30 days and so on. And then it also includes access to uh, visualizations of the weather forecast model for both NOAA's uh, global ensemble forecast system and the European model. Uh, and so in that case, then it is both, uh, it's things like just the weather forecast in map format, but also our crop pr production weighted information as well. And then in that enterprise, you also get access to, to that commentary as well. Um, and you also get access to uh, an email that is emailed out every morning that is an update of the forecast and how it changed from, from the prior day. Um, and then you can go a step further uh, and really, that's when we get into what we call crop profit modeler. And so crop profit modeler is this, uh, is this idea of enabling uh, deep analysis and or algorithm building um, for systematic or, or quantitative traders. And it is pretty much all of the data that, you, that we could provide and have access to. And that allows you to either you know, trust our own model, but we also provide all of the data that we use to build, build the model. And so uh, an organization could do their own modeling if they wanted to based off of our off of a, off of that modeler data feed. 
Uh, could you explain or expand a little bit more how does this model works in the back end? What parameters does it account for? This sure. Sure. So I guess back to earlier in the conversation, the first step that we do is we try to uh, we try to estimate what the technology trend is, and then we try to control for that technology trend. And that's that's just in effect processing USDA data. Um, and then we maintain uh, basically a database of weather observations and weather forecasts. And so the weather observations are the variables that you would expect, things like temperature and precipitation, uh, and then some variables maybe you wouldn't expect like soil moisture estimates and uh, solar radiation estimates. Um, and then we have different derivations from those weather, uh, from that weather data. So for example, part of the model includes a heat stress index uh, that um, where we're trying to, the purpose is to try to estimate what the impact of heat stress is on the crop during the season when, when days are very, very warm. Um, so we have a database, think of it out, of weather data. And then we also are, are regularly sourcing the USDA data. And so basically the, the crop data is updated essentially once per year in terms of yield and production. But we are sourcing the um, USDA crop progress and crop condition data as well. Uh, and so that data is updated on, on a weekly basis. And so, um, you know, to some degree, the crop profit product is uh, it's a giant data science effort uh, because we're managing different data sets that are uh, from different locations. We're, we're centralizing them in our data management facility. Uh, and, then, uh, and then from that, we're doing different analyses to, to, create, to create different products from it. Um, and so I'll say one of the things that happens in the off season is we, we rebuild the model. So the idea is in January, in a couple of months, the USDA is going to release a new set of data and we have to rebuild it and retrain our models. And so this data infrastructure that we have in place allows us to do that uh, relatively quickly and relatively efficiently. So you mentioned uh, that you get a lot of your information from the USDA reports. What impact those, do those reports actually have on the predictions that you guys create through prop, crop profit? Yeah. Sure. So crop profit, uh, the yield forecast, it turns out, is actually um, it's actually two models. One is a pure weather-based model, and the other is a what we call a crop health model. So there's a crop condition-based model. It's crop condition plus uh, NDVI data. So the US, as the USDA crop condition reports come in during the season, we're using that to update a component of the model. And then the final product that is released to customers is... Uh, an intelligent weighting of the purely weather-driven model and uh, and the crop condition model. Yeah, and you mentioned that like having all this data that you guys collected or even got from USDA, uh, what are the main challenges that you guys face for forecasting the crop yield and the production? One challenge for sure is when events occur that haven't occurred prior in prior history. Uh, and so, so a great example is the derecho from last year. And right, so that derecho was so impactful and so widespread that there was no precedent in in history for it. Right, so you can't build a model when you have a sample size of one. That is the problem. Uh, and so, um, and the, and the, like a challenge with something like a derecho is it's so infrequent. They're so infrequent. Derechos that large and that impactful are so in, infrequent that um, it, it's really really difficult to model on. Uh, so there's that type of uh, that type of problem. That being said, I will say that um, 
we try to learn every year from uh, from what from what happens. Uh, and so an example is in 2019, right? The the it was really wet uh, or around the corn growing and soybean growing regions um, during when planting normally would have occurred. And so the planting ended up being quite late, and as a result, the crop uh, didn't have the opportunity to um, experience as many growing degree days and the yields were, were negatively impacted. So as a result of sort of that event, uh, we, we improved the model by adding uh, an early season planting date estimator, if you will, uh, that, that improves the skill of the model in the event of a, of a, land, plate, uh, of a land planting, a late planting. Um, I'll also say we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, you know, we also are providing uh, yield forecasts for Brazil and Argentina. And so that is a challenge because there's just not as much data available in places outside the, the United States. And so like for Brazil, one of our challenges is knowing when, when the crop is planted. Uh, so one of the benefits again of the USDA data is we know when the crop is planting from the planting progress data. Uh, but in, in Brazil, you know, we, don't, um, we don't have information on, well, there's not widely available information on when, when the crop is actually planted. So it makes it difficult, for instance, when to start measuring degree days, uh, it, right? And so you have to end up doing it based on, on your best estimate. Uh, and so that, that ends up being a little bit difficult as well. I'll also say that, that particularly with international, the, um, you, know, you end up getting some data that you know you just can't be correct. <laughs> and, um, and so you have to do pretty substantial quality control. But again, that's part of the challenge. And it's part of, uh, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Uh, and that's part of the value that, that we end up providing. Um, you mentioned Brazil and Argentina, and then China is another big one. Does crop profit also provide information that helps decision making related to those other countries just in the ag market, not even necessarily the predictions? Well, the short answer is no, in the sense that um, what I like to tell folks is that uh, the, the price of a given crop on any given day is the it's the balance bit of supply and demand which is to say it's the balance of the market perception of supply and the balance of the market perception of uh, demand and what i like to say is we're providing input into the supply side of a uh, of a of a balance sheet of a crop balance sheet and in particular we're providing it for the united states uh for argentina and, and brazil for things like china right china is interesting because china impacts both the, the demand and the supply side uh, and can have pretty dramatic um, impacts on it as well. So we do have, uh, we've had requests for sure and we have plans to try to provide data more on, on a global basis. Uh, but as I, as I just mentioned, uh, finding the appropriate data for uh, doing the same techniques internationally is really, really difficult. And so we're thinking through how we might be able to do that now. Um, so I'll just say like for corn, uh, for corn, we actually don't get asked about China that often. The next most frequently requested location after Brazil, Argentina, and the United States is Ukraine uh, because of its impact on, on European markets. And then we get asked a lot about uh, Black Sea wheat estimates uh, and then Europe in, in general. And we talked a lot about the forecasting, the predictions of these crop yields and productions, but what does this information enable it like? Could you quantify a financial impact for the customers that might have? 
Sure. So I kind of just mentioned it, which is that we're providing a forecast of the supply side of a, of a balance sheet. And, um, and I guess the challenge for an end user is that, uh, as I just mentioned, price is the balance of, of supply and demand. So our users are trying to uh, estimate, um, estimate the supply side or the supply number for, for the crops that, that, that we model. And then from that, they're using that information basically to try to um, either hedge risks, hedge price risks, or uh, speculate uh, on the direction of the price of, of a crop at any given time. I will say that we, um, I mean, the quantification of it is basically uh, whether or not the information helps the user uh, estimate the correct direction of, of the price. So for instance, if, if you're using it to hedge price mitigate the risk of a, of a price increase, because let's say you're buying corn because you're gonna make, make a product from it, then the, the quantification of it is an estimate of you know, the, the price advantage you were given times the volume of the crop that, that, that you buy. And it's pretty straightforward for, from that perspective. Um, from a trading perspective, it's literally the number of contracts you know, times, times the price movement that the, that the trade informed or that the information informed. Um, so the ROI component of it is pretty straightforward. However, you know, everyone is different. <laughs> and uh, uh, make decisions in, in their own context. Uh, that makes it difficult for me to spit out a, a number directly. So in ag, just in general, sustainability is one of those buzzwords that we hear a lot. And that's what a lot of people are worried about in the ag industry. Um, does crop profit play a role in sustainability at all? Do you think? So um, again, the short answer is not really. Uh, and I say that only because as, as I mentioned, we're a small company and we're trying to stay super focused and make sure that we can generate as much success as possible where, where we're focused. And that, that focus is really around uh, crop trading or I should say agricultural commodity trading. You know, I, I will say in, on my own, I've wondered about the degree to which um, the regenerative farming certainly has a weather dependency on it. And I have spent a little bit of time thinking about the degree to which the information that we provide might be able to help uh, at a high level understand the potential benefits of, of regenerative farming from year to year. Um, which is to say, like, again, I would imagine that, uh, for example, carbon sequestration in the soils must change in dry years than versus wet years, just based on the, on the performance of, of the crop. But again, we right now our mission is to provide the best possible crop yield forecast for the purpose of, of, of commodity trading, and and we haven't yet thought about the opportunities associated with uh, sustainability. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, what does the future of crop profit look like? Do you have any plans or goals down the road? Well, I mentioned one of them, which is we over time want to uh, provide. Uh, valuable information for additional geographies, uh, some of which I've already mentioned. Uh, and certainly that is, that's a fairly major effort, uh, but it is something that our, our customers are asking for. Uh, we also plan to add crops, um, right? And so uh, we get asked pretty frequently, you know, do you model this crop? Do you model that crop? And we're, we're certainly keeping a list of those and uh, over time we'll, we'll be expanding it. I, I mean, I guess I, I'll say that, you know, the impact of weather on crops is never going to disappear. So there'll always be an, an opportunity to provide value through helping to quantify the role that, that weather has on, on crop yield and crop production. And as much as possible, we try to listen to our customers and respond to what they 
are asking for. And the challenge is balancing the, the needs of the customers with the uh, basically the available time and resources we have to, to implement new new capabilities. But I'd say the answer is certainly go global and and provide information for additional crops. That's really cool. Um, where can our listeners go to learn more if they're interested in crop profit or if more questions arise? Sure. The best place is uh, our website, cropprofit.com. And then um, we also have a fairly uh, uh, active tw Twitter feed as well, which is at crop profit. And so the, the cropprofit.com provides more information about the, about the product and, and the different features. And then on, uh, on crop, on at crop profit on Twitter, uh, we basically tweet out information from the product to try to uh, keep folks a little bit updated and, and really to demonstrate uh, the type of content that's available in the, in the product. Awesome, yeah. And I guess this is our last question here. Do you have any advice or words of knowledge for those listeners that might be wanting to use some of these tools to better improve marketing decisions? Yeah, I guess um, I would say that the reality is that weather and weather information, it's a complicated game. Uh, you know, so our little company, we process hundreds and hundreds of terabytes of data a year to create the two products that, that, that we create. And, um, you know, my experience is there's a lot of people that think they can do it on their own. And there's probably a lot of people that, that can. But I would also say that, um, you know, whether it's crop profit or, or any of the other products that are available to provide weather information in, in the marketplace to, to, I would say, don't be afraid, certainly, or, or to, to, to take a look at them because there's pretty valuable information contained in them, especially as, you know, the culmination of, uh, of meteorological technology, data science technology, computing technology are really creating some pretty fascinating opportunities for, for value-added products. And so I, I think, um, you know, we're just at the start of, of what's possible. Uh, and years from now, uh, there'll be, the products are obviously going to be even be better than they are now. Um, but now would be a great time to start looking at them. Thank you very much to Ian for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Beats podcast. It's really exciting to see the possibilities that combining weather and crop models creates in the agriculture industry. One of my favorite parts of this episode was learning how Crop Profit is utilizing crop reports from the USDA and using their own weather models to predict yields. I also think the way they produce their insights for their customers is really valuable for the ag industry. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to sharing another digital ag story with you next week on Farm Bits. Thank you for taking the time to join us on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the reviews section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Beats.